Episode 35, We've Got Woods. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. <laughs> so you didn't think I was going to go for that? I did not think you were going to go for that. Because you don't think I'm going to make a tawdry joke like that? No, you're not a tawdry person. I love I crass humor. I just don't do it publicly. Well, yeah, I don't do it publicly. Yeah. That's the difference between you and I. Not saying you're not classy, but... <laughs> I'm classy in private. I'm crass in public. But, you know, every so often you got to bust out a double entendre... Uh, About er- wood. Er- erection joke. Yeah. Yeah. So, here we go. Anyhow. Hey, Nightmaricans. Welcome <laughs> to uh, this little podcast that we're doing. Which we're recording, actually, on election day. Yes. Brit voted. So we don't know what's going to happen. I voted. Aaron voted. I voted. We hope well, you voted. All of you out there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And hopefully it was a smooth process for all of you. Yeah, by the we way, don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And, by the way, I'm Aaron. That's Brit. You should know hey the guys. drill by now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, what's, what's your election people? I, I'm, we're not going to talk a lot about the election. No. Just, just say that now. So if you need a break from the election, just, we're not going to talk a lot about it. You can skip forward about 10 seconds, 15 seconds, I guess. But what's your prediction on not when, but like, are you going to, what do you, what's your plan? Are you going to spend tonight watching the news, the breakdown and all that? Tonight, we are going to watch the news. We have decided to get, like, some cheap pizza, like, cheap chain pizza with, like, you know, those cheesy breadsticks and 
drink and just cope. You know? Why cheap pizza? Because, like, well, okay, so this was Devin's idea. He wanted pizza that he could consume in large quantities. Okay. <laughs> Emotional eating. <laughs> I'm not. I'm still not following why cheap pizza is the way to go. Because well, he's a big dude, and if we get expensive pizza, that just gets expensive. Okay. I mean, I know this is not. This is Nightmarica, not the pizza podcast. But we could do an entire podcast about the benefits the pros and cons of different pizza brands but i think you can get a solid new york style pizza okay but here's the thing i don't like new york style pizza okay oh my god i'm from chicago i know i'm from chicago i'm not from most most of our listeners are not from new york so they agree with me no okay that's a big assumption just because i mean i'm not from new york and I have spent okay, a lot of time in for Chicago like over half your life. But I've but I still prefer New. York. I enjoy Chicago pizza. I just it's prefer it's New York best. style pizza. I don't think I'm, it's the best. But I almost dropped an f bomb. I loved it so much. But okay, I mean, what are you doing tonight? Oh well, I'm going to be staying in a haunted hotel. <gasps> and Ooh. I almost recommended hotels for this episode. That's so funny. Have we not done hotels yet? No. Oh, really? Next week, let's do it. Okay. I guess it's probably because it was probably a decision early on not to do hotels because it was like very much on the nose. But I feel like we've established ourselves with enough of a diversity of topics that we can do hotels. Yeah. And it's something we can return back to. What hotel are you staying at? It's... Can you say? Yeah, yeah, of course I can say. I don't think my legions of fans are going to stalk me at the hotel tonight. Plus, this isn't dropping until tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So, even if they are, ha-ha, suckers, you can't stalk me, because I'll probably have been checked out by then. Well, I'm staying at the Artist House, which is a hotel slash B&B and it's literally, it's in, I'm still in Key West. It's literally across the street from where I'm staying in Key West. But while this place may be haunted that I'm staying, that's sort of more known for it. It's connected to the Robert the Doll story, and it's pretty cool. There's a cool turret room that has a big spiral staircase and everything on it. So, yeah, I'm going to hang out there. And I don't know if I'm going to really do a investigation so much as... Just soak up the nice haunted hotel vibes. Yeah. How'd your reading with Robert go? It went really well. It was interesting. There was some tech glitches because we were live streaming in a a Civil War fort. So Mm -hmm. obviously very thick brick walls. But we had three feeds going on Robert on a close-up on the board and then sort of a wider view, and we had three different Ouija boards going. For people that don't know, I'm staying in Key West right now, working on a project, and the famous Robert the Haunted Doll, who we talked about last week's episode, for the first time ever for Halloween night, we 
myself and David Sloan, the author, noted author around town, he's really the main ghost guy in Key West, but yeah, brought together Ouija board and Robert the Doll, first time that has ever happened, especially on a Halloween night, especially on a full moon, especially yeah, so on cool. a blue moon. Blue moon. Hey, don't sing too much, get sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the lawyers for uh, who sang that was that Dion? No, it was in uh, Greece. Yeah, but so yeah, so it, it was. I mean, it was fun. People seem to have experiences, and I have to admit the Ouija board doesn't re often work for me, but mm. certainly a lot of cool stuff was happening around, and people had a great time. It was certainly fun to watch. That's great. My I gotta watch it still. It's long, and it, it's, well, this is a terrible pitch. You should watch it. You should definitely watch it still. <laughs> it's long. The it's about an, didn't work. It's about an hour. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's certainly interesting, but the cool part that, I don't know, maybe it'll get picked up for a little bit of news, is that Ozzy Osbourne supposedly disrespected Robert the Doll, and ever since then he's been having some, some mm. mishaps in his life. So some people think that maybe Ozzy stirred up the 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 bad juju of robert mm. the doll curious so but how about we dip into some news do you have a newsy topic i do and interesting you say dip into because my weird news takes place in a lake in Ooh. fact a lake not too far from where you used to live and where we did a story on the Villa Litchfield. Um, the story is that a big pile of eels was dropped in Prospect Park Lake. Cool. Gross. It's so gross. Um, on October 17th, a jogger was out for a run in Prospect Park when he saw a giant pile of eels. They had escaped from two large plastic bags that had been dumped by a man earlier in the day who said to like people in the park as he just walked away saying he just wanted to save lives. Hmm. What? Um, according to the Huffington Post, people abandon thousands of animals in local parks in New York City every year. Thousands a year. Most of them die, but some survive and wreak havoc in the area. Um... As an example, and to tie it to something with this podcast, uh, in, in 1890, a group of Shakespeare fans released a flock of 60 starlings, which are those birds that make the really cool shapes in the air. If you guys saw Rebecca that was just out, that's the birds that on the beach make that crazy shadowy shape. Um, they released 60 birds in Central Park, and now there are hundreds of millions yeah. across the nation. So, a lot, of, a lot of stories of invasive species that get into yeah. places. It's why New Zealand, they used to have a problem with it, but now they're pretty strict about stuff like that. And even down here, well, I, I should note, I mean, I still live in New York City. I'm just down in Key West for a little bit of time, but so it's still my hood. But the... Down here, however, in Key West, they have a big iguana problem. Just wild Jeez. iguanas that that roam all around the place. I posted a couple pictures of them on Instagram, at Aaron Sagers, if you're not already following. And they're all over the place. So, yeah, those invasive species. So, yeah, don't, don't drop eels in don't. the lake. 
Sounds like a eerily bad idea. Oh. Yeah. It was, it was a little slippery with that one. Yeah, that was right slippery. <laughs> well, my story is really, this could also go for a paranormal pop culture recommendation, but the News Tribune out of Washington, I believe, I think that's Washington, they just have a really cool video on the emergence of the Bigfoot story, legend, and how it spread across the U.S. And it's a worthwhile watch, but talking about how one little story in Northern California then kind of gave rise to the Bigfoot legend Hmm. across the country. Now, that should be said that indigenous peoples have talked about large creatures long before uh, 1958 is when the story first kind of gained legs, if you will, or made a footprint. And, but, yeah, but the sort of amongst the white people, how this story spread. It's an interesting video at the News Tribune and by Patrick Gleason and Ashley Reese. I would just, I'm not going to say more than that. Go check it out. It's a, it's a good one. Cool. And it will inform some of my story, which we'll get to in a moment. But, but, hey, Britt, you know what's still happening here at Nightmarica? I'm going to guess it has something to do with manscaping. Correct. Manscaped. Manscaped, the right tools for the job. We're, we're, We're happy to still be in the Manscaped sponsor-y world and so we want to remind you guys go buy some stuff from manscaped i know that was such a vague pitch but (laughs) there's gonna be an ad later on spoiler alert you'll get an actual ad later on but the grooming tools for men right tools for the job you know it's 2020 boys take care of your boys and uh, look your best for yourself and for anyone out there that's going to get close to your your naughty bits, your bits and pieces. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Night- Manscaped.com. Code Nightmarica. 20% off. And, and free, free shipping. shipping. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about that later on. So let's get into this topic. We're talking about forests? Woods? Yes. Into and the woods. Into the woods. Yeah. Two musical breaks already, Brett. You know it. That's how I roll. People come here for that, I think. Yeah? Much like they come here for your musings about Chicago-style pizza? Yeah, and how delicious it is. I'm not saying it's not delicious. And if anyone comes at me in the comments saying that it's essentially just a casserole, don't bother. No, do bother. Do bother. I encourage this. Do bother. (laughs) And for the record, I don't even, I'm not even opposed to ordering cheap pizza when you know, I, I will say, I'll say their name. I do like me some Papa John's pizza. And Whoa, but they're like racist, aren't they? No. Well, they had a founder of the company that got himself into trouble and, yeah. but he is no longer part of the company. So is that Papa John himself? Yeah. And spoiler alert. Well, this is the second spoiler alert i got to stop saying spoiler alert. But hey, big shocker, his name's not really Papa John. 
Is so, his name John? I think I think it is actually John. I hope it's John. Well, either way, he's no longer with the company and he is he's sort of out out of that world because, you know, he was considered a not a nice guy. So Yeah. Yeah, John. His first name is John. John Schnatter. But yeah, he was kicked out of the company I think last year. And largely because, you know, he was <laughs> dropping the N-word <laughs> in a conference call. Oh, and, gross. you know, so, yeah, generally considered a uh, racist dude. So let's kick him out. Anyhow, but yeah. Papa John's, I do like your pizza. You can advertise with us. Because there is something about just when you crave, first off, I like their breadsticks a lot. It's just a big stick of bread, hence the name breadstick. And... <laughs> The pizza just hits the spot when you just want some Papa John's pizza. And they include, I've always loved the, the little garlic butter sauce that they have. Mm-hmm. And that is good. Pepperoncinis. I love pepperoncinis. Oh, I love them. So the fact that they just include that. And I got to say, I, I, I ordered this a couple weeks ago in New York when I just, I just wanted Papa John's. The guy, I called him and I was like, hey, so I'm going to get some breadsticks and, you know... I like the. It sounds so so. I like, know. It got like very intimate with this pizza very guy, intimate. Aaron. It's like so. Uh, Gross. So I'm gonna really want some. Ew! Some, ew! Ew! Stop being so pervy. Pepperoncinis in that box. Ew! And he <laughs> was like, squirmy. and he's like, I got you, I got you. I'm gonna load you up on some pepperoncinis. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and no, I'd really be into some extra garlic butter sauce. He's like, you know it. I'm going to give you some extra garlic butter sauce. This is gross. So sure enough, when they delivered it, it was just piles of pepperoncinis and a ton of garlic butter little buckets or whatever they were. Garlic butter buckets. Yeah. It doesn't have to be gross. It doesn't have to be Well, you just made it pervy. You Um, made it it sound pervy. It was just like... Pepperoncinis... Yes. At my Halloween hangover breakfast sandwich this weekend was an everything bagel, scrambled egg, Jersey, that like Jersey Taylor ham, and pepperoncinis. And it was so good. I believe that does sound good. I do like, right? do I, I do love a good bagel and lox with not just the lox and capers and onions and tomato, but... I think either jalapenos, but even mm. pepperoncinis, preferably. Really yeah. seal the deal. Welcome to Nightmerica, a show where we talk about <laughs> random food items. This and is then, a food podcast. <laughs> and then occasionally maybe tell a story about something that's true crime or paranormal. So woods. We're talking woods, woods. today. And wood-focused, forest-focused. I don't imagine you're much of a camper. Absolutely not. Yeah. That comes as no surprise to any of our listeners. Would you be afraid to spend... Is it just the, the, the rustic nature? or yes. is it? It's not that you would be afraid to be out in the woods in the middle of the night. You know, it depends. Last year... I don't know if I've told the story on the pod before, but last year I went to a tiny house in Joshua Tree um, where there was an outhouse... And I was so terrified to go in the middle of the night because it was like pitch black in Joshua Tree. You know, that's like kind of creepy. 
Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of that and the rusticness. Right. Well, I think the trick is I enjoy camping. I don't do it a whole lot, but I do enjoy camping. You know what I don't enjoy is pooping outdoors. And this sounds like the setup for an ad. Tushy, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I don't enjoy is pooping outdoors. (laughs) If only there was a product that would help me not poop outdoors. So, really, you just got to make certain that you don't have to do that for a couple days or whatever. And speaking of, you know, let's maybe just dive into the topic. Let's do it. Since Should we run an ad first? Why not, Brett? Let's 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 throw an ad out there. Nightmerica is brought to you by Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have one of its fiercest fans, Mr. Lawrence Talbot, an actual werewolf from London. Right, love. Cheers for having me on, although I prefer lycanthrope. The whole WW word is a bit unseemly. Although, I should also note, I have been an American citizen for a while now. Ah, so that would explain that almost indistinguishable British accent. Anyhow, Larry, I'm surprised you're in wolf form, even though there's not a full moon out. That's right. Well, I used to view my condition as a bit of a curse, what with all the hair everywhere. But with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 and its... Durable, skin-safe ceramic blade, which has small teeth, unlike myself. I can be quite the dapper wolf, with my crown jewels, if you will, remaining secure. Now I actually prefer to stay in wolf form permanently. Pardon me for saying so, but you have a lot of hair. It must take you forever to groom. Most certainly. It takes quite a bit of time. Thankfully, the lawnmower 3.0 holds a 90-minute charge, so... I have all the time in the world, and with the built-in LED light, I can even see on a moonless night as I, as I trim my, my dolly bits, my undercarriage, my John Thomas. Right, right, we get it. Wolfman's got nards. And with Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0's waterproof technology, you can even clean up in the moors on a rainy English or American night. It's perfectly splendid, isn't it? And speaking of moors, I still do enjoy taking a bite out of the occasional backpacker. But with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, any passers-by that comes close will only smell the aroma of the freshest dangly bits. But don't take our word for it, or even that of a gentleman lycanthrope. Because with the code NIGHTMERICA, you can get 20% off a Manscaped order and receive free shipping. Head to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA and you can check out their anti-chafing boxer briefs, weed whacker nose hair trimmer, and crop cleanser hair and body wash, all from... Wolf Manscaped. No, only from Manscaped. Manscaped, the right tools for the job. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. All right, Manscaped, and remember, yeah, code Night America, twenty percent off. Listen to our werewolf friend there. Although, oh, we he doesn't prefer werewolf. He likes. I forget what he likes. Lycanthrope American. You wrote Lycanthropic it. American. Anyway. No, I didn't write it. It was an actual interview with a werewolf oh, right. with a bad English accent that sounds suspiciously like me. Anyhow, so hey, what's your story? Let's let's take a dip into the well not a dip. Let's 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 take a trek into the forests. Where well, the, the night is dark and full of terrors. The night is dark and full of terrors. And what's so interesting is I am doing the strange disappearance of Terrence Woods. His Whoa. last name is Woods and he disappeared into the woods. Whoa. Terrence Shamel Woods Jr. is from Maryland where he grew up with his parents and three siblings. He ended up moving to England for the American International University in London after he graduated from the University of Maryland. He was making his way in TV production, and he worked on The Voice UK, as well as several documentaries um, when he was 26 years old in 2018, where he was hired to work freelance with Raw TV which is a London-based production company. Have you heard of it? This is like your industry. Uh, I have heard of Raw TV, yes. With Raw TV, he was sent to Oro Grande, Idaho. I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. For a project with the Discovery Channel. They were working on a show called Gold Rush White Water out of an abandoned gold mine called the Penman Mine in the Nez Pierce Clearwater National Forest. And there were about 12 people on the crew. You're nodding your head. Do you know the story I'm about to tell? No, I don't, I don't know the full story, but I, there's a lot of things that sound familiar. Yeah. Well, his dad, Terrence Sr., dropped him off at the Maryland airport on September 30th. 2018. I wrote 3018 in my notes. That's really funny. Um, for the next five days, he was texting his dad pictures of Idaho and seemed in a good mood based on like the text that he was sending. Then on October 5th at 3 a.m., he calls his dad to tell him that he made it to Elk City, Idaho safely, which is where they were kind of setting up their base camp. And then two hours and 45 minutes later, he texts his dad saying that he's going to be coming home in five days. This was super unusual because the filming was actually supposed to go on until mid-November. 
So it, it was odd that he would be home on October 10th when there would be so much time left. But later in the day, his dad texts him back. But by then, Terrence was already in a remote area filming. And so his dad is unsure if the message ever was even delivered. They were filming in the Penman mine that day. And this is what Simon G, who his last name is spelled G-E, so I'm assuming it's Simon G. The production manager told Terrence Sr. when he called him on the phone, and I'm going to read this quote. I was in one of the vehicles doing some work when your son told the miner that he had to go relieve himself. Something told me, kind of like a gut feeling, to look over near the cliff your son was at. When I looked over there, all I saw was the radio laying on the ground. I originally thought your son fell off the cliff, so I leaped out of the vehicle and ran over there immediately. To my shock, your son was already 15 feet down the cliff, running like a hare. I've never seen anyone run so fast. At that point, I yelled to the crew to get in a vehicle and go to the main road. I proceeded down the cliff after your son, but he kept running. Due to my professional search and rescue training, I stopped running after him out of fear that he'd be further scared. So I went back topside, and the crew hadn't found your son on the main road. At this, at this point, we found the first house with a phone and called the police reporting your son missing. Terrible phone call for your father to get. Yeah. So scary. Uh, what's really curious to me is that in the 911 call to law enforcement, uh, it's documented that the caller stated, Terrence has been having a really hard time emotionally and had a mental breakdown earlier today. A woman in the crew, Cherie, corroborated Simon's story to law enforcement and added that Terrence was acting strangely and was noticeably quiet. I don't know how you can go from texting your dad pictures of like a beautiful surrounding and then have like a full mental breakdown at work. And I, I should say too, he's never had a history of like mental health triggers or suicide or any sort of mental health problems, which is so bizarre. Yeah. So although things can emerge and completely out of no, not out of nowhere, but seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah. And Simon, the production manager, gives us a little bit of insight when he called Terrence Sr. the next day to update him. Um, he said, Terrence Jr. came highly recommended to us and was our first pick. But when I met your son, you know, he didn't live up to my standards. Well, I asked him to do different things and he didn't know what to do. Okay. Okay, so was Terrence so unhappy at work that he had to, like, instantly bail, is what I'm wondering. But what's curious is that Raw TV has taken the stance that Simon never said this, that this is something that Terrence Sr. is just feeding into the media, um, that Simon did not believe that Terrence Jr.'s behavior was bad, that he just seemed distracted, so it's curious that we're getting all these different stories. From yeah. October 5th through October 11th, there was a huge search and rescue mission, including ATVs, dog teams, uh, helicopters that had like heat sensing technology, as well as horseback crews. 
But it's a super hard search because the area is a mine. There's also incredibly dense woods. They said in these articles that the woods surrounding this mine were so thick that trees had fallen over the years on top of each other. And you could be walking for a very long time without your feet ever even touching the real earth. You would just be walking on toppled trees. So you can imagine there's crevices hidden everywhere in the area. It also started raining and snowing in the higher mountains. Um, but after seven days of searching, Terrence is never found. And despite the snow, there were no footprints. Okay. Um, law enforcement during all of this never asked for his cell phone records, despite him having his phone in his pocket when he ran away. And they never searched his laptop. Those in the know on these blogs say that it would have been easy to get because since he's disappeared, there's no body. Like, it would have been easy to get a subpoena for this. Um, but law enforcement think that he had a panic attack or a mental breakdown. And so they didn't think they would have a need to search his laptop. But I don't know. I feel like if someone is missing with absolutely no body, you take in as much information as you can. Yeah, you would think that, I mean, just checking the cell phone records alone, see if it's pinging or anything exactly. in the area would be just an obvious thing. And with the laptop, so this was, I'm guessing, a company laptop? It didn't say, but he was working freelance, so I'm going to bet not. Okay. Well, either way, saying if there was some sort of plan, if, if there was a journal that spoke about some of his his odd... You know, if he had, if he had, was expressing some sort of odd tendency or desire or somewhere to go that would have pointed the way to some sort of search. Yeah. Well, the family thinks it's foul play. They think because Simon G had such a weird call with Terrence Sr. and that Terrence Jr. wanted to leave the shoot early that he maybe was uncomfortable with the team there and wanted to leave. His family heard from him leading up to that day and seemed fine. His sister, Sharnia Tisdale, saying he's not the type of person that would just run off or do anything like this. He didn't do any drugs. Which, uh, I think mental health can be hidden relatively easily. If he did struggle with something, he could have just not shared it with his family. We don't know that. Yeah, um, and... and yeah, you're right. I mean, I and I think sometimes when people say that, that they he seemed fine, he didn't have a history of this. While that may be true, it's also people don't want to maybe admit that there was a sign that maybe they missed or maybe they or that they weren't aware of it that their child or loved one was struggling. And sadly, there's a lot of people that I a couple of people that I personally know that have you know, unfortunately had situations like this that I was the one that said, wow, I never knew that they were in that much yes. pain or whatever. So, so, but you know, that is a natural human reaction to say, you know, they seem fine. Yeah. They are also highly suspicious of Simon G and raw TV. And they actually hired two private investigators to search into them. But neither of these investigators found anything of note on either party. The family believes it also has something to do with race because he was the only black man on the crew. 
and perhaps someone was scaring him, which is why he wanted to leave early. An ex-employee of uh, Raw TV was interviewed by Vice. They weren't named, but they did say there was a white toxic culture, um, but Raw TV denied this. I mean, of course they're going to deny it, even if it's true. They're not going to like be like, well, yes, we have a white toxic culture at our work environment, you know? Um, two other theories, and these are where I think something happened. Um, this is like kind of what I believe in. One of them is called HPP, high place phenomenon, or some people might have heard it as the call of the void, where you have self-destructive thoughts for like a split second. For example, like if you've been on a mountain road and suddenly want to swerve into oncoming traffic or swerve off to a cliff or you're standing on the edge and split second you think of jump off the cliff right you know that's that's something and then another one and this is the one i think is pretty accurate um at least in my opinion is called panic in the woods where people feel an overwhelming sense of paranoia due to the silence and like aloneness of being in a wood and they feel the need to run away into civilization um, which the way he ran was down onto a main road, which could have led him into a town. Um, but from there, he could have tripped on one of the logs in the forest that were laying everywhere. He could have fallen into one of the crevices. Um, he could have, you know, if it was really badly snowing, he could have decided to hunker in somewhere and then like died of exposure. And because there are so many logs and things everywhere, there could have been, like, such a scent that the dogs couldn't find him. So that's kind of where I lead. It's a horribly tragic story. Um, but the case is still open. It's just not currently active. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's two years ago. Yeah, uh, so recent. I Yeah, as you were talking about it, I have heard parts of this story and I've, I've been lost in the woods and it is a, it can be quite, it's something you have to keep your head up about because it can be quite terrifying. The idea that if you don't know where you are and don't know which direction you've come from or going to, you can feel very helpless and vulnerable very quickly mm -hmm. and you're exposed. You're in the elements, but it is quite strange that he just took off. Yeah. I, I mean, who knows? But, yeah, that is that is quite eerie. It's so eerie. Now, it can't be too late to... Certainly that laptop is still around and those cell phone records are still around, even if it doesn't necessarily... Because sooner or later, that battery is going to, you know, die or whatever, but... It's not too late to find out, like, the last known position of this kid. I know. I hope some... Because it's so recent, I hope something comes across. Like, I hope there's someone doing for him, you know, what people have done from other missing kids where they're found. You know, it just... It feels so unsettling to just disappear like this. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean... I, I did cheat a little bit. I was I looked it up while you were talking. And, it, yeah, the same day, apparently, there was a woman, an older woman, yes. who went missing in the same area. But they said those two incidents were unrelated. Yeah. But, 
Yeah. The, this area of the country is, the woods are definitely dense and mm -hmm. vast. So it's crazy to think that you can still get lost somewhere out there in, in the 21st century, but you can. You can. So, yeah. well. On that note. Well, your story? On, on that note, I have a story that you went very recent, and I went back to 1893, so a little more than a century ago. Uh, and so this story, it comes to us courtesy of Theodore Roosevelt. Hey, Prez. Former, yeah, uh, former governor of New York former vice president and then president and long before he became president in 1904 at the young age of 42 actually i think he was the youngest president mm. up until this point the youngest president we've had but i don't know if you've heard this story what do you what's your re recollection or notion of theodore roosevelt i have not a lot well the american museum of natural history you know his statues out there and he was a big oh, part of that him. so the Rough Rider, sort of this notion of masculinity and adventurer. He was also a big game hunter. He was a big, big game hunter. And he's considered one of the best presidents we've had in our nation. He actually rolled out a lot of progressive ideas. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's not without his flaws. But what I found interesting about him is so he became this paradigm of masculinity and was a big guy, but he started out as a tiny little guy and had a very strenuous childhood, suffered from asthma, and, well, and using the word strenuous, strenuous, he came to believe in the power of exercise and that one should lead a strenuous life huh. in order. I just find that interesting, especially in yeah. comparison to uh, the occupant of the White House right now, who totally eschews any notion of of exercise, which is something he's gone record talking about. But the story with him is, yes, he was a hunter, and in 1893, he published a book called The Wilderness Hunter. And this is a story about Theodore Roosevelt and Bigfoot. Does that ring any bell? No, but I'm riveted. Okay. Yeah, this is this is one of the most famous Bigfoot stories out there. And so Roosevelt during his uh while he was writing The Wilderness Hunter, he was out in the wilderness for quite a span of time and he called it he called Montana, Western Montana and Northwestern Wyoming the finest hunting ground in America. And during his adventures, he was going through these thick forests. He was climbing up and down these massive peaks and across these vast plains, rivers and streams. And he was hunting for grizzly bears and moose and bison. So big game along with these fellow outdoorsmen. Now, in chapter eight of The Wilderness Hunter, he writes, and I'm going to try out my my Roosevelt voice. Oh, great. 
let's see. I should practice this more, but don't don't practice. No, don't practice. Okay. No. Amal objected strongly to leaving the neighborhood of the lake. He went the day, first day's journey willingly enough, but after that, it was increasingly difficult to get him along, and he gradually grew sulky. Finally, he gave us to understand that he was afraid because up in the high mountains there were quote, little bad Indians who would kill him if they caught him alone, especially at night. At first we thought he was speaking of stray warriors of the Blackfeet tribe, but it turned out that he was not thinking of human beings at all, but of hobgoblins. Indeed, the night sounds of these great stretches of mountain woodland were very weird and strange. I never before so well understood why the people who live in lonely forest regions are prone to believe in elves, wood spirits, and other beings of an unseen world. So that's one entry, that's chapter 8 in the Selkirks, where he's talking about one of his guides having superstition about creatures, and he calls them hobgoblins in the woods. Yeah. Aren't hobgoblins not real? Are they not real? I don't think so. I think Puck, I think Puck in, and I could totally be wrong, because I read Midsummer Night's Dream, like, in middle school. But I think Puck in Midsummer Night's Dream was a hobgoblin. I think it was a fae, but a hobgoblin, there's a lot of things that can fit under that umbrella. But I'm certainly not going to say elves and wood spirits and hobgoblins are not real. I actually do believe in some nature spirit. But, so he said hobgoblins, and he was not, as he said, not prone to believe in these things. But then he heard these strange noises that when you're in the middle of the woods at night and you hear something, it makes your mind really open up to possibilities. So, but even more curious than that is the story that Roosevelt later writes about in chapter 20, page 441, to be precise. You can read all of this online, The Wilderness Hunter. And I'm going to go into this because this is the story that Roosevelt recounts of the mountain man Bauman and the tale of a creature in the woods. So, if you will indulge me, I'm going to give you more of my Roosevelt voice. Are you okay with that, Roosevelt? (laughs) I'm totally down with it. It's an old-timey kind of New York voice, so it's like, it's not Southern, even though I tend to go to Southern. Anyhow, so let's begin. Frontiersmen are not, as a rule, apt to be very superstitious. They lead lives too hard and practical and have too little imagination in things spiritual and supernatural. I have heard but few ghost stories while living on the frontier, and those were few of a perfectly commonplace and conventional type. But I once listened to a goblin story which rather impressed me. A grizzled, weathered, beaten old mountain hunter named Bauman, who, born and had passed all of his life on the frontier, told the story to me. He must have believed what he said, for he could hardly repress a shudder at certain points of the tale. But he was of German ancestry, and in childhood had doubtless been saturated with all kinds of ghost and goblin lore. So that many fearsome superstitions were latent in his mind. Besides, he knew well the stories told by the Indian medicine men in their winter camps, of the snow walkers, of the specters, spirits, ghosts, and apparitions the formless evil beings that haunt the forest depths. 
and dog and waylay the lonely wanderer who after nightfall passes through the regions where they lurk. It may be that when overcome by the horror of the fate that befell his friend, and when oppressed by the awful dread of the unknown, he grew to attribute, both at the time and still more in remembrance, weird and elfin traits to what was merely some abnormally wicked and cunning wild beast. But whether this was so or not, no man can say. Hmm. That's set up. He, he, he's a wordy guy, Roosevelt was. But, yeah, but it's kind of nice. It builds like a beautiful picture. Yeah. So we're dealing with a guy, Bauman, who has a story, was raised with superstition, German folklore, uh, and, and knew the tales of the indigenous peoples. So this is all being carried around with them. Now, what is the actual event that occurred? Well, I will tell you. Just, <laughs> just bust in any time, though. Okay. When the event occurred, Bauman was still a young man and was trapping with a partner among the, mountain, among the mountains dividing the forks of the salmon from the head of Wisdom River. Not having had much luck, he and his partner determined to go into a particularly wild and lonely pass through which ran a small stream said to contain many beavers. You can laugh at many beavers. <laughs> I'm I mean, the killing, the, killing the campfire vibe, Brett. I'm a middle school boy. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay. <laughs> the pass had an evil reputation because the year before, a solitary hunter who had wandered into it was slain seemingly by a wild beast the half-eaten remains being afterwards found by some mining prospectors who had passed his camp only the night before. The memory of this event, however, weighted very lightly with the two trappers, who were as adventurous and hardy as others of their kind. They took their two lean mountain ponies to the foot of the pass, where they left them in an open beaver meadow. The rocky timber-clad ground being from there onward impractical for horses. They then struck out on foot through the vast, gloomy forest, and in about four hours reached a little open glade where they concluded to camp, as signs of game were plenty. There was still an hour or two of daylight left, and after building a brush lean-to and throwing down and opening their packs, they started upstream. The country was very dense and hard to travel through, as there was much down timber, although here and there the somber woodland was broken by small glades of mountain grass. At dusk, they again reached camp. The glade in which it was pitched was not many wide, yards wide, and the tall, close-set pines and firs rising round it like a wall. On one side was a little stream, beyond which rose the steep mountain slope, covered with the unbroken ground of evergreen forest. They were surprised to find that during their absence, something, apparently a bear, had visited camp and had rummaged about among their things, scattering the contents of their packs, and in sheer wantonness destroying their lean-to. The footprints of the beast were quite plain, but at first they paid no particular heed to them, busying themselves with rebuilding the lean-to, laying out their beds and stores, and lighting the fire. While Bauman was making ready supper, it being already dark, his companion began to examine the tracks more closely and soon took a brand from the fire to follow them up, where the intruder had walked along a game trail after leaving the camp. 
When the brand flickered out, he returned and took another, repeating his inspection of the footprints very closely. Coming back to the fire, he stood by it a minute or two, peering out in the darkness, and suddenly remarked, Bauman, that bear has been walking on two legs. Mm. Bauman laughed at this, but his partner insisted that he was right. And upon again examining the tracks with a torch, they certainly did seem to be made by but two two paws or feet. However, it's too dark to make sure. After discussing whether the footprints could possibly be those of a human being and coming to the conclusion that they could not be, the two men rolled up in their blankets and went to sleep under the lean-to. At midnight, Bauman was awakened by some noise and sat up in his blankets. As he did so, his nostrils were struck by a strong wild beast odor, and he caught the loom of a great body in the darkness at the mouth of the lean-to. Grasping his rifle, he fired at the vague, threatening shadow, but must have missed, for immediately afterwards, he heard the smashing of the underwood as the thing, whatever it was, rushed off into the impenetrable blackness of the forest in the night. After this, the two men slept but little, sitting up by the rekindled fire, but they heard nothing more. In the morning, they started out to look at the few traps they had set the previous evening and put out new ones. By an unspoken agreement, they kept together all day and returned to camp towards evening. On nearing it, they saw, hardly to their astonishment, that the lean-to had again been torn down. The visitor of the preceding day had returned and in wanton malice had tossed about their camp kit and bedding and destroyed the shanty. The ground was marked up by its tracks, and leaving and on leaving the camp, it had gone along the soft earth by the brook. The footprints were as plain as if on snow, and after a careful scrutiny of the trail, it did certainly seem as if whatever the thing was, it had walked off on but two legs. The men, thoroughly uneasy, gathered a great heap of dead logs and kept up a roaming fire throughout the night. Roaring fire. Fire was not roaming. Roaring. (laughs) Kept up a roaring fire throughout the night. Sorry, Teddy. One or the other sitting on guard most of the time. About midnight, the thing came down through the forest opposite, across the brook, and stayed there on the hillside for nearly an hour. They could hear the branches crackle as it moved about, and several times it uttered a harsh grating, long-drawn moan. Mm. Like that. (laughs) A peculiarly sinister sound. Yet it did not venture near the fire. In the morning, the two trappers, after discussing the strange events of the last 36 hours, decided that they would shoulder their packs and leave the valley that afternoon. They were more the more ready to do this because in spite of seeing a good deal of game, they had caught very little fur. However, it was necessary to go along the line of the traps and gather them, and this they started out to do. All the morning they kept together, picking up trap after trap, each one empty. On first leaving camp, they had the disagreeable sensation of being followed. In the dense spruce thickets, they occasionally heard a branch snap, and after they had passed, 
and now and then there was slight rustling noises among the small pines to one side of them. At noon, they were back within a couple miles of camp. In the high, bright sunlight, their fears seemed absurd to the two armed men, accustomed as they were through long years of lonely wandering in the wilderness to face every kind of danger for a man, brute, or element. There were still three beaver traps to collect from the little pond and a wide ravine nearby. Bauman volunteered to gather them and bring them in while his companion went ahead to camp and made ready the packs. On reaching the pond, Bauman found three beavers in the traps, one of which had been pulled loose and carried into a beaver house. He took several hours in securing and preparing the beaver, and when he started homewards, he marked, with some easiness, uneasiness, how low the sun was getting. As he hurried toward camp under the tall trees, the silence and desolation of the forest waited on him. His feet made no sound on the pine needles, and the slanting sun rays, striking through among the straight trunks, made a gray twilight in which objects at a distance glimmered indistinctly. There was nothing to break the gloomy stillness which, when there is no breeze, always broods over these somber primeval forests. At last he came to the edge of the little glade where the camp lay and shouted as he approached it but got no answer. The campfire had gone out, though the, though the thin blue smoke was still curling upwards. Near it lay the packs, wrapped and arranged. At first, Bauman could see nobody, nor did he receive an answer to his call. Stepping forward, he again shouted, and as he did so, his eye fell on the body of his friend, stretched beside the trunk of a great fallen spruce. Rushing towards it, the horrified trapper found that the body was still warm, but that the neck was broken, while there were three great fane marks in the throat. The footprints of the unknown beast creature printed deep in the soft soil told the whole story. The unfortunate man, having finished his packing, had sat down on the spruce log with his face to the fire and his back to the dense woods to wait for his companion. While thus waiting, his monstrous assailant, which must have been lurking in the woods, waiting for a chance to catch one of the adventurers unprepared, came silently up from behind him, walking with long, noiseless steps and seemingly still on two legs. Evidently unheard, it reached the man and broke his neck by wrenching his head back with its forepaws while it buried its teeth in his throat. It had not eaten the body, but apparently had romped and gumballed it around in an uncouth, ferocious glee, occasionally rolling over and over it, and had then fled back into the soundless depths of the woods. Bauman utterly unnerved and believing that the creature with which he had to deal with was something either half-human or half-devil, some great goblin beast, abandoned everything but his rifle and struck off at speed down the pass, not halting until he reached the beaver meadows where the hobbled ponies were still grazing. Mounting, he rode onwards through the night until beyond reach of pursuit. So... It's important to note that Roosevelt never uses, never names this creature, mm -hmm. never gives it a name. He refers to it as a goblin. 
which was sort of, it seems like it was a term that he liked to use whenever he was talking about the unknown. Uh, and that Bigfoot name, you know, I mentioned the news story at the top of the, the episode, but Bigfoot name as applied to these cryptids didn't really come about until 1958. It was sometimes applied to, um, there was a Native American chief named Chief Bigfoot, and then there were bears that were called Big Feet, Bigfoots. Um, and then the First Nation of the Stisalis, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, Stisalis, First Nation out of British Columbia, that's where we kind of get the idea or the word Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. But in this, we have, uh, we have this tale of a Montana creature, goblin beast, that, according to Bauman, killed his companion. And... What's interesting about this is Roosevelt, well, I mean, this is this Bauman, Bauman's tale. Roosevelt actually, you know, recalls, details a lot of, details a lot of nuance that Bauman described. But while some people think this was a bear, it's like, this is exhibiting an intelligence that does not sound like a bear. And if this thing was walking about on two feet and then the, the smells and the sounds and the grunting are all things mm-hmm. associated with classic Bigfoot sightings. For so sure. since you didn't know this story, what's your reaction? Oh, it absolutely was Sasquatch. No doubt. It, this is, there's the Patterson Gimlin film, which is a famous Bigfoot photo or footage. And that is the most famous of the Bigfoot sort of sightings or documentations. And I would say that this is probably the second most famous. That one's because it's a video, but it's crazy, huh? It's crazy that a president was face to face with Sasquatch. Well, the president wasn't. Well, the president like, himself wasn't, but he was telling the story of Bauman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it also, it makes, and I don't know the history of the wilderness hunter. I've read through chunks of it. And it makes me intrigued because chapter eight in the Selkirks is where he's talking about hearing these sounds at night, which he calls very weird and strange. And he never under, never so well understood why the people who live in the fo- lonely forest regions are prone to believe in goblins. But... I wonder whether he had, if he, if he wrote this chronologically as he went, or if when reflecting back, he was thinking about that story of Bauman, you know, sort of which yeah. thing had happened first or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. this is, yeah, this is, it's also, while I don't think Sasquatch are necessarily aggressive in nature or have to be aggressive they are still animals and they still live amongst they're still in the wilderness and if this thing either doesn't since he didn't eat the body if there was like a territorial dispute it would make sense for a a bipedal primate or some undiscovered ape to stand its ground you know yeah so it's fascinating. So and you did a good uh, job telling the story too. I like your you. voice. I, it felt very much like Roosevelt. 
Yeah? You're like, you're like, let me tell you, I, I watch a lot of Roosevelt footage, and I think you nailed it. So I have a question that's going to come across as real dumb. Okay. But is Theodore Roosevelt in any way related to Franklin Roosevelt? Um, I think so. Got it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a history podcast. Yeah. True crime, paranormal, food, bodily functions. We don't cover history. Fifth cousin. All right. Fifth cousin Theodore Roosevelt. There you go. I and just that... remembered that, and I certainly didn't look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm not bad on history, but, you know, it's a, it's just a little pocket. It's an obscure it. fact. You know what I mean? It's obscure. I don't think it's as obscure as either of us would want to believe. <laughs> so... Anyhow, so yeah, there's this, the tale of Theodore Roosevelt and potentially a Sasquatch, and I don't know, seems pretty interesting to me. And yeah, seems super interesting. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say I buy it. I buy it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for indulging me reading. Of course, Theodore I liked Roosevelt. It. And. Since it's uh, public domain, Theodore Roosevelt can't come back from the grave and haunt me and try to sue me for a live reading. But anyhow, so should we head towards the paranormal pop culture or the new, yeah, paranormal pop culture and then wrap this up? Yeah. I'm super excited because certain libraries in New York have reopened. Mm -hmm. Um, really good, like social distancing safety as well. Um, but now I can finally get my books again. So I finally have a book for paranormal pop culture. It is the sundown motel by Simone St. James. It is awesome. I'm about halfway through and I'm loving it. It's one of those that's like really hard to put down about a woman who went missing in the eighties from her night shift at a motel and then her niece goes to figure out what happened. It's so well written. I'm a big fan. Cool. Yeah. I am looking for the... I also have... I have, like, so many books I've been loading up on research lately. I... This book is really good so far. It's called Grits and Grunts, Folkloric Key West by Stetson Kennedy. Love and it. It's a treasury of Key West tales, lore, and legends. And it's, um, I'm going to look up the copyright on this. I forget when it was published, but I don't think it's a recent book, but it's one of those that just really holds up super well and is, I don't know, I feel like, oh, 2008, so maybe not as old as I thought, but it's talks about things like, it dips into stories about key lime pies. It dips into ghost stories. It dips into some strange true crime stories. One of which that if you don't bring it up sooner or later, I'm going to do <gasps> it as it? a story. I'm not going to tell you. Can but you tell me offline? No. Oh. Okay, I'll tell you. I. It's one of those stories I could... Obviously, I'm spending a lot of time here and doing a lot of research, so I don't want to make this all about Key West paranormal stuff, but I could tell a million stories out of just Key West alone. But the tale of, I don't think we talked about this. It feels like something maybe we talked about offline, but the uh, Count uh, Karl von Kostler, the... But that sounds so familiar. 
Yeah. It's it's a pretty crazy tale. Oh, crazy story. I do know this story. Yes, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. We'll get to it at some point. But but yeah, so Grits and Grunts, Folklore Key West, Stetson Kennedy, and it's an easy read. It's a really enjoyable read. And I would call it like sort of a nice treasure trove of, of stories. Also, before we get out of here, you want to hear a gross Aaron Sager's fact? Always. Putting this out here. Because I feel like sometimes you think I don't, I don't, you know, open up my personal life enough. So growing up, so the book is Grits and Grunts. Growing up, my grandmother on my father's side, who has since passed away, uh, she would refer to bowel movements as grunts. <laughs> so do you gotta do you so do you need to take a grunt is like what she would ask and so that was her word for poop that at least she said to me and it's horrible and disgusting and yet evocative and even even when reading the the teddy roosevelt thing he he uses the word grunt in there somewhere and i'm like oh god bigfoot's taking a poo so yeah, I don't, I don't use that. I just, I don't use that word anymore because it really disgusts me so. But that's what, that's what, good old Lucille would say as far as uh, poops when I, I was love growing that. up. Thank you, Lucille. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but all right. Well, how, wherever you guys are out there, I would say, look, as you know, we. Like I said, we're recording this on election day, so if you listen to it on Wednesday, I hope hope your anxiety is under control and yep. that Stay we safe. Have, have a clear answer on things. And uh, yeah, just and take care of yourself. Take care of yourself out there. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.